0: Hello everybody and welcome back to the Human Nutrition and Lifestyle Podcast. Today I've got a very exciting guest for you. I've got Mr Mark Hancock and Mark if you just want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from and what you do, what kind of brought you into this low-carb sort of space?
1: Well thank you. Thanks thanks for inviting me along Matthew. Um, yeah I'm um I guess my my background is is that uh, I became type two diabetic in 2010. Um, so I went along the sort of the journey of of um, uh, following the traditional how do I help myself uh, eat well, play you know all that type of thing uh, and uh, and and sort of stumbled into low carb just by chance a few years later. But I've been on quite a journey up to that point of trying to discover. How can I make sure that I don't end up losing a limb or losing my eyesight or, or any of these other issues uh, in the future? So, um, so, yeah, I'm based down in um, Hampshire, uh, down in the south, uh, and uh, I'm a financial advisor. So I've been in finance for, what, about 30 years now, um, which probably doesn't always help because you spend a lot of time sitting at desks and, and, uh, and not getting out and moving about as much as, as you would want to. Um, but yeah, I've, I've um, yeah, it, it's been quite a journey, really, and probably not even just looking at the last 10 years, even going back before then as to why I ended up putting on lots of weight. you know, it, it wasn't just, I don't think, bad food, I think it was a whole range of things that were going on at the time, which led to that point where you get that horrible diagnosis.
0: Well, take, take us through that then, because I'm looking at you now and you're quite a slim guy on the uh, video call here. So um, I presume you are not always from what you say. You've not always been like no. that. So take us back to where it all started.
1: Well, I mean, I sort of blame my wife because I was um, as a teenager, I was pretty skinny. I mean, I, I you know, I, I sort of um, think about Only Fools and Horses and Rodney and I was a bit like that. I was sort of tall, I was skinny, and I actually wanted to put on weight. That was the bizarre thing, and I just couldn't. And uh, and then I met my wife when I was around about uh, 25, and she introduced me to things like wine and, and other bits and pieces, and she was bringing them out. I, I hadn't really been able to afford that sort of stuff before. And uh, uh, so our life, uh, my life changed a bit. Um, and um, now, to be honest, in all, of, in all fairness, but I, I really hadn't changed what I ate, but I got to about the mid twenties, uh, and I suddenly noticed that I was putting on weight. You know, we all have that thing, don't we, where we're kind of you're you're either standing in the shower or looking down the bath or whatever, and you think, oh, I've got a bit of a belly starting to appear. Um, and I remember a few journey about two or three years ago now, I was speaking to a doctor, and they, and they said that was kind of like the first signs of insulin resistance is when you're starting to put that that weight on and, and you haven't actually really changed your lifestyle i mean my wife and i we were playing badminton with friends and you know we were sort of fairly active and um and so you would have expected me to have carried on being rather slim but it didn't quite work out that way um and i worked in the bank at the t- uh, uh, lloyd's bank at the time and uh, and then i i left the bank and and set up my own business this is sort of uh, i think they're probably about 35 so about 10 years later by, by which time I was starting to get bigger uh, you know a lot bigger um we um I, I'd set this business up as a financial advisor and then of course we walked straight into the financial crisis a few <laughs> years later uh, so that was a real struggle um I lost my brother he he died when he was in his late 20s um, so there was a lot of stress and other bits and pieces that were all going on at the time trying to make a success of the business wasn't eating particularly well. So a lot of late nights sitting in the office and uh, grabbing, you know, takeaways or grabbing uh, baguettes and things between appointments, that type of thing. So I know I wasn't eating particularly well, but when I came home, we'd have a normal sort of meal. Um, and um, what I thought was a normal, you know, tasty healthy meal which would be sort of something of pasta with some chicken on it uh maybe a sauce you know those jar sauces you can get and you think do you know what actually that's not too bad that looks pretty healthy um and so I don't think I actually really was terrible but there were elements to my diet that weren't particularly good um and I got to a point uh, it was 2010 I was 39 at that point and um I was sorting out some life cover for myself and part of the process is, is you get a nurse to come in, come and see you. And uh, she runs a few tests and checks your weight and things like that. And uh, she said, oh, you're you're, you're a bit sugary. Um, and because uh, we had to sort of pee in a cup and she said, this is sugary. Uh, and uh, and I said, oh, is that anything to do with sort of diabetes or anything? And she said, well, who knows? So what we'll have to do is see if we can arrange for a, a appointment with your doctor and get some tests done. So that night, before i had done that, you know, I jump online and you start looking up um, diabetes and everything. And I started seeing all these symptoms of diabetes. And I thought, I, I recognize some of those things. There's some of those bits and pieces there are what I'm going through at the moment. Um one of those one of them was was bizarre, it was sort of like um, I had an itchy foot at night. Um <laughs> And uh, I hadn't even told my wife about it, but it used to drive me insane. In the middle of the night, I'd wake up and I'd be rubbing my foot on the, sort of, on the, on the bell or the mattress or whatever. And, uh, and obviously I had absolutely no idea what it was. I just, I don't know, thought I had some sort of infection or something, I don't know. But uh, of course, that was all part of the diabetes as well. So by the time we'd run through all the tests um, and I, and I, I actually I had to phone up the GP and, and say, you know, what, what's the situation? And the nurse at the, or the lady who answered the phone said, uh, oh, we need to book you in. Thank you for phoning up because we need to book you in our diabetes clinic. So it was sort of nailed at that point that that's where we were. I was
0: at di- I, I was diabetic. So, so so you had to actually ring them up then they didn't get in contact with you. Gonna, <laughs>
1: they didn't phone me. They didn't phone me. Um, but I remember at the time it was... I mean, I can sort of smile about it now, but at the time, it's really scary Actually, um, yeah. because, you know, you see all the, the bits and pieces, you see all the things that go wrong. And I'm thinking I'm 39. You know, God, God knows what I'm going to be like by the time I'm 49 or 59. You know what, what sort of problems I'm going to be having then. Um, and, um, and, I, and I couldn't, you know, at the time, I remember saying to my wife, you know, can you come to the doctors with me? I said because when I go to see the nurse, they're going to be talking about all things foods so that I'm not supposed to eat and what I can eat, and I have absolutely no idea. You're, I'm going to come home and I'm going to say to you, and I'm only going to get it half right. So, so, uh, so, as she did most of the cooking, um, I said it'd be a good idea if you come along. So, you know, she did, and we sat down and we looked at that uh, uh, eat well plate
0: yeah the, the guide that all the uh, nurses and everybody goes along with the eat well guide yeah so tell us a little bit about the eat well guide then what sort of things was well, it telling you to have well the, i mean it, it all made sense to me because you
1: know it's not the first time i'd seen it um uh but you know when when we went through it she was uh, it, it seemed to make sense because there was a green section there which had all those fruit and veg on there, and we'd been told how many times have we been told that, you know, you have to have five fruit and veg at least, if not loads more, you know? So uh, that, that, that kind of made sense. You had the low fat section. So again, you know, we'd all been told about low fat. So that was, that was no great surprise. Um, and then you had that big sort of yellow section, which had all these sort of first pasta and other bits and oh, rice.
0: grains and, and things in there yeah.
1: grains and uh, you know, porridge and all these other bits and pieces. And of course, so, when i saw that i mean she she sort of said to me well you know you're probably used to having things like white rice and white and white pasta so what we'll do is we'll we we'll, we suggest that you have things like basmati rice and i would never even heard of basmati rice and of course i remember at the time then thinking well we went out shopping and buying all this stuff uh and changing what we we're eating it wasn't only me because obviously it was you know basmati rice is so healthy that the, my family probably should be eating it as well. So it was wholemeal, pasta, and seeded bread, uh, uh, and, and low-fat thing. I, I, the funny thing is with the low-fat, is I didn't actually, eat a lot of the, because the things that had fat in it that I was thinking about, like, uh, um, you know, yogurts, or whatever it is that, that, that you were gonna have. When I had the low-fat one, I didn't really like it. I didn't taste, it didn't taste very nice. Yeah, it tastes kind of uh,
0: synthetic. I've heard people say before that it tastes quite synthetic, So simply because they take away everything that was good in there and put something else in there to make it up with. So, yeah, that's great that you found that out.
1: (laughs) I I, I kind of, yeah, I just kind of decided that I didn't enjoy the taste, so I was, like, super low-fat because I never even had the low-fat, you know, because it, it just didn't taste very nice. And I thought I'd much rather have a proper one every now and then limit those rather than have this other stuff that was regularly because I wasn't enjoying it. Yeah. So I just, I kind of ignored all that. Um, but, um, and, and the, the interesting thing for me was, is that, you know, we changed the, the foods and I did lose weight. I just, I mean, you know, obviously I wasn't having takeaways anymore. We weren't nipping in McDonald's and we, you know, I was being very, very careful because when, you know, when you get that, that uh, diagnosis of diabetes, it really does, it's a line in the sand where you think I need to do something about this. Um, and so from that point on, I was thinking, right, I can't have takeaways. You know, I remember looking in the cupboard in the kitchen and thinking, oh, there's so many foods I can't have. You know, there's there almost like a bit of a panic there that everything seemed to be able to harm me in some way. Um, so that takes a bit of time of getting your head around. And then we slipped into that sort of routine where you're just eating the basmati rice and the Whole meal stuff and the other bits and pieces and and of course I then I then went on to running you know um and uh and sort of I would say sort of enjoying that um I never liked running in the past I mean I tried it and I hadn't enjoyed it I was I was dreadful
0: Right. So did, did, you, did you decide to take up the room then simply because maybe you had lost a little bit of weight by taking out all those processed foods out of your diet and you thought, well, actually, I can see I've lost a little bit of weight here. So maybe I'll do a little bit extra. Maybe I'll give myself a little bit of a boost and I'll try running. Is that why you got into it?
1: Sort of. I had a friend who had been badgering me for about two or three years to come running. And, and <laughs> so, so when we actually got to the point I remember we went to go and see them, um, and uh, and she said, bring your trainers, and uh, and I and I said, oh, no, right, okay, and we and we went down to a local park, and uh, on a Sunday morning, and she said, right, okay, we're just going to jog a bit, and then we walked, and then we jogged, and then we walked, and all this sort of stuff, and I got to the end of it, and she said, well, that's your first sort of session, she said, you can do it, I said, no, 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 I've done, no, the, the running when I've done it, I've tried to run about a mile. I only got about a quarter of the way there before collapsing in an <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I said, surely that's running. This isn't running. This is sort of jogging and walking. Um, and uh, and but clearly she'd, she'd got me on the road to something called the Couch to 5K, which is, um, you know, once I, once I saw that, that's when I was hooked. That's when I, I looked at it I thought, wow, I think I can do this. And you keep looking at the next week and think, Oh, what what's next week? You know what 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 will I be able to do next week? And of course, over I think it took me about six six weeks in the end. Um, six weeks later, I was able just to keep running and not stop, which for me was just felt amazing because I'd never been able to do it. Um, and I was suddenly uh, on the starting line of a, a local ten k race um, with all these super looking athletes standing around limboing up and there was me uh and my friend who'd said she'd do it with me and um and and I remember we you know we you started off on this sort of athletics track and and then you'd go off out into the local area and as we left the athletics track I looked over my shoulder and there's all these people behind me and I thought, oh, thank God, because the worst thing ever is that feeling you that it will get dark. They would have packed everything away, and you're still, <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: you're still <laughs> wandering
1: around. Um, so you know, I managed to I managed to finish uh, finish uh, okay. And I think I think the first one I did was, I think at the first ten k, it was f- fifty four minutes, um, and I was so thrilled. I, you know even now it's i've done loads of races half marathons marathons things like that. but to me nothing will beat that very first one when i crossed the line and i felt like I could collapse at the end of it but I, it was so it was so moving having sort of family and friends there as well uh and, yeah uh, I
0: think everybody can relate to that I think everybody who is any type of runner or triathlete or cyclist or whatever as soon as you get to that first race you'll always remember that first race because it's the most nervous thing you ever do. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you say, coach to 5k, that's something brilliant that that's come about just recently because of the app they built and all the software that's gone behind it. And it really does encourage people to get into running because like like you said yourself, a lot of people just think um, exercising or, or even if you wanted to, to go running is just basically putting on your trainers and, and legging it out the door as fast as you possibly can. Well, that's not going to get anybody anywhere, you're going to fall out of love straight away with what you're trying to do. I mean, for kids, potentially, that's okay. if you're <laughs> a lot younger then you could maybe get away with it but coach to 5k is something that just builds it right from the base and if you're looking to get into something like that I would always recommend doing a similar sort of thing coach 5k take it run walk steady you know little jogs and then build up for one I think and maybe you can reiterate that it's more enjoyable to do that you don't feel as depleted when you're going through something like that
1: no, absolutely. It was, that that was the most exciting part of it because it was achievable. And I got to the point where, I mean, I couldn't even believe it myself, really, because you, you're running about three times a week. And so you you have a day off in between. Um, and on the days off in between, I really wanted to do it because I wanted to get onto the next one. But I knew that if I did, I'd end up getting injured or something. So I had to be really sensible about it. Um, but that, that, that feeling when suddenly you're able just to keep going uh is is something that will always sort of stick with me uh where that that's where the change was you know i had gone through the bit where you run for five minutes and even that seems like a lifetime when you start off um and of course you know suddenly when you're getting to a point where you can run two and a half three miles and you don't need to stop you know i remember coming home and telling my wife about it going i can't believe it and of course she was sort of living it with me and she she it, it um, uh, got her into it as well. So, about, uh, she was about two weeks okay. behind me. And, and it, you know, she's the same for the last 10 years or so. She's been running.
0: Uh, oh, and the brilliant. kids do it.
1: And none of us would have done it if it hadn't been for my friend badgering me and getting me into it. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it, it was great. And of course, we moved on to then, for, from our point of view, I, that, that would have been about 2011. In 2012, there was a local park run startup. And uh, so I, I sort of wandered along to that, and uh, wondered what was all what it was all about. And uh, and of course, before you know it, you know you're hooked on something like that. Then because you there's all these people you get to meet, and they're all in the same boat as you, really. They're all people that you know. There's some that are really good, but the majority of us are all just trying to do the best we can. You know, either running or walking or doing it with the kids. or... Yeah, it really
0: becomes a a kind of a community, doesn't it? You know, you get all together. And once you get in it, and you get to know these people, you you can't get out of it. You know, you're stuck in it. Uh, I say it's the community, (laughs) and you feed off each other. It's really, really good. So along this uh, journey that you're going on with, then, are you still at the moment, following this um, eat well guide? You're still on with all your (laughs) um, brown (laughs) rice and all that? Or (laughs) how's it going? no, well, you see,
1: you see, after,
0: I would probably say 2011,
1: 2012, whatever, um, I think it was around about 2014, it, um, I heard something, well, I read something about the World Health Organization and they were saying you could put diabetes into remission. And I remember speaking to my nurse at the time uh, at my annual review and saying, what's it all about? What can you, you know, is this something I can try? Um, And sadly, she put me off it and said, it will be something it, you know, you can't put diabetes into into remission. It's not something that's sustainable. You might have a short-term benefit, but then you'll go back to being diabetic. And I remember the time being really deflated because, you know, I wanted a plan a bit like how I'd done the couch to 5K. If somebody had sort of said to me, right, okay, this is your diabetes remission plan. I'd have gone, okay, I'll give that a go. Let's see what happens. Um, but, you know, one moment it was there, the next minute it was gone. And, um, and so I sort of just carried on. I went back to, you know, carried on doing running, um, by which time I'd been running, uh, I'd run a marathon uh, in Bournemouth um, and uh, regular road races and other bits and pieces. Um, and by 2016, uh, around the summer of that, uh, of that year, I had a review uh, and that's when they started to tell me, you know, your weight's gone back up, um, that your uh, blood glucose levels are going up, um, that we've got concerns over your cholesterol. Um, and
0: that must come and- as, a, as a really big shock, considering you was now into this running, you was doing up to marathon distance, yet you were still gaining weight and your blood sugars were still reading high. That must have come as a really big shock. Oh,
1: absolutely gutted. I mean, they wanted to put me onto uh, higher amounts of medication. I've been on medication for six years by that point, and, and they wanted to increase it. Uh, and and I just remember f- saying to them, I'm doing everything I can. You know, what else can I do? You know, I'm eating what I'm supposed to eat. Um, I'm doing way more than the prescribed, you know, uh, exercise that you're supposed to do all the time. Yet. I'm getting worse. And and of course, the nurse said to me, she said, well, we always told you it's a progressive condition. Uh, and, you know, this isn't a shock. It, you, you will, you know, most people end up going on to insulin. Most people end up having uh, poor outcomes. It, it, it's, it's inevitable. Now, everything you're doing is wonderful, and it will slow that down, but it won't stop it. And of course, so it, that's devastating. Yes. Yeah
0: so unfortunate yeah. that that uh, that's the protocol they go by. It's it's just so unfortunate. And, and I'm pleased you've found a, a different way. So we're looking forward to hearing about this different way. <laughs> go on, you've drawn me yeah. in, keep going.
1: <laughs> well, it, it, we, we, we got to, uh, it was really only a couple of months later. and we have been away on holiday and uh, um, I just had the radio on. Just complete luck, had the radio on. It was a Jeremy Vine show on Radio 2 and Michael Mosley was on there. Um, the TV doctor, and, and he was saying, you know, he, he was talking about the um, Professor Roy Taylor, which is the thing that I'd heard. I suddenly put the pieces together with the World Health, Health Organization two years before, um, and uh, and he said, you know, perhaps we are recommending the wrong foods, uh, that some of the things that we should be eating that we've been telling people not to, the diabetics uh, and vice versa, Um, and that actually it's that that's the central part in making this disease progressive Um, and you know I couldn't believe it I was thinking well this is well I need to get the book because he was selling a book so I got the book uh, and started reading it and and it was jaw-dropping because it was telling me things like don't eat basmatoids and I thought hang on a minute you know all these things that I've been told to eat I was being told now that I shouldn't be eating and the things that I was being told to avoid you know things like full fat yogurt and you know those types of things and cheese and butter and because I've been having these cholesterol lowering spreads because you know that that surely would help me because the cholesterol was going up so I had to have those spreads um and he was telling me not to and that actually I should be going back to the butter again and 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 I I said to my wife at the time I said I've got to give this a go I said what have I got to lose I said they've told me what my outcome what my future is going to be so if if nothing changes well I haven't lost anything have I I might as well give it a go um and at the time I spoke to my nurse it was a different nurse at the time and she said, do you know what? I know someone else who did this. And um, uh, and she said, that, and it made a big difference to their diabetes. Give it a go.
0: Oh, that's uh, great. At least you got a little bit of encouragement there as well, because it's one thing yeah. finding out all that by yourself. But then I still feel like you need that little nudge. You need somebody to just say, look, oh. okay, go for it. You know, what you got to lose. You, you knew it yourself, but that's great. That somebody was behind you just saying, just just give it a go. You know, what you got to lose. Great. Yeah
1: she said just let you know let me know how you get on um tell me how it's going uh and she said perhaps give me a ring in a week sort of thing and let me know and um and so I thought right okay because yeah you're quite right you know when when you're reading things where you're thinking well we haven't been told this at all that you can have full fat this and, and and other bits and pieces surely I'm going to make Things worse, <laughs> not better. Uh, and uh, so, you know, when your nurses are sort of saying, oh, well, yeah, give it a go, and you think, oh, right, okay, right, let's do it. So, being the type of person I am, a bit like the couch to 5K, I had a little chart on my computer and I was testing my blood sugar levels uh, and I was trying the the recipes. Um, and the, I mean, to be honest, the, the one that thing struck me first was the recipes were gorgeous. It was, it, it, you know, there was so much taste, so much flavor. Um, and uh, because it wasn't stuff that was coming out of a packet and coming out of a jar, it was, it was real herbs and spices. And we were putting these things together and, and uh, these meals. Um, and I started getting interested in it and thinking, well, I can do this because I hadn't really been doing cooking before. Uh, and I'd always wanted to. But, you know, when you look at a merry berry recipe, it can kind of put you off. There's so much involved. Uh, that, but, but suddenly, these were very simple, very simple recipes. Um, you know, around sort of meat and vegetables, and make little cream sauces and things like that. And it was, it it, it really was tasty. Um, and the other thing I noticed straight away, um, and it was it was fairly instant was the blood sugar, uh, how it how it just dropped.
0: So but how so quickly. Qu- how quickly did, did the change then? How, how fast? It was Forty eight hours. Really that quick. <laughs>
1: 48 hours and i was getting normal readings
2: oh dear, that's super I was, quick
1: i it, it you know it it, it it was it was stunning and um of course so i was keeping notes of it all as i was as going along and I, I and i i got to the end of that first week and i did find my nurse and i said look i'm getting numbers now which say like 3.8 um you know it, it, what should i do and she said stop taking your medication uh and um you I, I can imagine how that, that made me feel, or anybody would make them feel, when you've had six years of it, and then they were threatening to put it up and give me lots more medication, and now suddenly, within a week, I wasn't on any more medication.
0: That's brilliant, because you say yourself that you was doing it for six years but there's people out there being on medication and things a lot longer looking for a lot more solutions and not able to find it so it's great that you found something you know that you could do a change within 48 hours and then a week off your medication I mean absolutely brilliant so keep going there's more.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So we got that I mean that was you know that was 2016 and uh I've got to the end of because uh, Michael Mosley's uh, book was called the eight week blood sugar diet. Uh, and so I, you know, I, I thought, well, you know, what happens after eight weeks, but clearly it wasn't a case of you just do it for eight weeks. It was a case of this is gets you started, um, but you learn so much in that eight weeks because once you, once you've started reading and understanding what it is that you're doing, you then start making contact with all these other people online and other people that are in the same situation. And you realize that, you know, this isn't just a one-off here there are hundreds of thousands of people out there that are all doing the same they're, and they're and they're all going sort of against what their doctor had told them and and change, <laughs> change to eating this different way and suddenly they were losing weight they were had more energy uh, they were loving the food and you know if this food had, i i was uh, you know i always say this i've been fully prepared for, for two months to eat cardboard if it meant that I was going to, you know, reverse my diabetes. But the fact is, it was just a super bonus to me that I enjoyed the food. The food was gorgeous. And, and, it, and it felt, as I was going along, I was getting, like, my taste was really returning because a bit like someone, I always sort of liken it to someone who's, who's smoked all their life. And when they say that when they stop smoking, they can taste more. And I think it's the same with sugar. I think when you're having... All these foods are converting into sugar in your body, all these things which, you know people are still being told to eat, that actually it sort of dulls the senses. Uh, oh, yeah, I,
0: you're definitely right. You're definitely right. I've, I've said that um, to some people I worked with before, that all of a sudden you get taste buds. You can taste yeah. different things in different foods and and things that perhaps you thought that you didn't like before, you suddenly take a liking to. Or things mm. that you thought were maybe a bit bitter become a bit sweet because it's not all masked by that sugar. And just to um, make it clear to our audience and, and, and people who are listening, what you actually did then was you stopped eating all what the guidelines was telling you to eat like the brown rice, like the wholemeal bread, like all the carbohydrates and all the fruit and all the vegetables that that's pushed out there saying you must eat this, you must eat that. What you did was you kind of flipped it on its head and you started introducing really good fats, animal fats, you know, and nutrient dense produce in there like meats and fish and non-starchy vegetables things like that Mm. so they're not really the kind of things that's pushed out there to tell people to do yet you found this out
1: well that's the crazy thing i mean if you go and see um if you go and buy some fish for example and let's say it's in a packet there's a red warning sign on it you're saying it's you know dangerously high levels of fat um it, it 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 is crazy so yeah, I mean, I, I I did wonder. I have to say, when I started, I, and I think pretty much everyone feels like this. At least I think they do. Is you think what there's going to be a big hole on my plate? You know, that's where the, the rice went. That's where the pasta went. That's where the bread went. You know, what, what whatever it is, or the chips, or whatever it is. And you and you the only thing you know, you start off thinking, well, what do, what goes in there? <laughs> because you know, I'm used to having that with a bit of meat and some vegetables, but now you've just taken that away. So now, what I'm therefore le- left with less, you know. But it, it, you realize actually it's not like that, and you do. I do. I do, I do
0: think it just just to pick you up on that. I do think a lot of people do think like that though, and that's potentially where some people have a bit of a downfall because they still have the same amount of of meat or the same amount of nutrient-dense food as what they did before, yet now they've taken away half of their plate in a way. So in order to carry on doing a nutrient-dense nutrition, carry on making sure you're getting full, you're getting all the decent fats and making sure that your body's working the way it should. You need to make sure you have more of that nutrient-dense food. You need to make sure you have more protein, more fats, because you've taken away those carbohydrates. So instead of having your bread or your pasta there on the side, just have an extra bit of whatever it is you've got on your plate, an extra bit of fish, an extra bit of steak, whatever it is. So, you know, you, people who start I oh, have to be careful not to just limit themselves to the same amount of little bit of protein, what they was having before. You need to still fill your plate.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And, and the crazy thing is, is that at the same time, I was losing weight. You know, so the weight that I put on, I mean, I lost nine pounds in that first week. I mean, I, I, all right. Admittedly, probably a lot of that was a water or whatever. But you know, it's a have an incentive when you <laughs> to keep going because you're right, thinking, yeah. I was putting weight on again. Now, now I'm going back the other way. So it's like the body had a, you know, I always think of it as almost like a little bit of a thermostat, and then it was just resetting itself back down to the level, you know. Because I think some people think if you carry on eating like this, you'll just get skinnier and skinnier and disappear because it's, you know, great for losing weight. Um, But your body doesn't really work like that. It kind of settles down to a more natural weight for you. And I it think that does. Absolutely- yeah,
0: you're, you're absolutely right. It does do that. You have a thing called homeostasis. And what it does is it finds it's natural where it wants to be, how much fat it wants to carry, how much muscle it wants to carry. You know, you're never going to take a skinny person and make them into a bodybuilder if their DNA and their genetics don't allow for that. You know, you have personal fat thresholds and things like that. But everybody will find their homeostasis if they allow themselves to, like you say, have the correct nutrition and the correct lifestyle. So so, was you still doing your running then alongside this new nutrition?
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that week, the first week I didn't because I got a bit, I got a bit tired that week. Um, and, and there are things that I know now which I didn't really sort of think about at the time, you know, like making sure I was having enough salt and, uh, you know, those types of things. So I was getting a bit of headaches and I got, I got uh, quite tired. Uh, and uh, I, I remember getting to the end of the first week and thought, phew. know this is this is uh this is our work but i'm going to keep going um but the, i think it was something like day eight i woke up and i said to my wife i feel better and then like by day nine i was wow suddenly i had this huge energy rush like that sort of came through i said i feel amazing (laughs) and of course then i was back on my running again at that point you know i was i was back out there and um and i felt great i mean it never seemed to make any difference really to to you know, what I was expecting in terms of my running. Um, so I didn't sort of miss uh, too much time uh, with that. Uh, and of course, you know, as I said earlier, I started talking to um, other people online, and I, I sort of stumbled across the Public Health Collaboration, um, because you you hear that there's this sort of charity or national charity that uh, that are trying to implement the the changes that we've seen, you know, for uh, the diabetic community who have been lucky enough to find this uh, or have had it uh, recommended by their their nurse or GP. Um, But of course, they were doing a hell of a lot of work behind the scenes in terms of trying to, I guess, point out the amount of sugar and carbohydrate that's in the average person's diet and the reasons why so many people are getting um, fatter and sicker, and and having all these problems, not only with diabetes but high blood pressure and all these other problems that were coming out of it. Um, and they were recommending a completely different sort of approach to to eating, which was the same as what I was doing. Um, so um, so that 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 was a big thing for me. And I remember going along to um, they had a, a conference up in Manchester. This was in 2017, and I didn't know anybody, and I thought. I'm going to just travel to it and see, because you, 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 I heard about the, the people that would be talking there. Um, people like Dr. Jason Fong, uh, and other people that I started to know, you know, Dr. David Unwin, I'd known, I heard about them. And of course they were all talking at this event. Um, so when I got there, I was completely starstruck, um, uh, and, uh, having photos taken with everyone as much as I could. And, uh, and I had an opportunity to talk to, um, uh to Dr. David Unwin, uh, only for a few minutes because he's always in demand from everybody else. Um, and uh, I, you know, I was so struck by what a gentle man he is and the amazing work that he's done in his surgery. When it was literally his own patient came to him and said, Why have you been recommending I should be, be eating a different way? And she put her own diabetes into remission just by discovering it herself. And of course, from that moment onwards he then decided it's something you should know more about and uh, and now you know i don't know of anyone in the uk that's a, a bigger leading light uh, in gp world than, than david honwin um, no it's great and- that he's
0: taking it on and it's great that he's put it in his practice and uh, and now is really trying to push it out there um, so for anybody looking from the outside, then uh, you've mentioned the public health collaboration, so is this uh, an organisation or a charity or, or what is it and yeah. how does it work?
1: So, well it's a, it's a national charity uh, headed up by self Sam Feltham um, and uh, he um, is sort of like a board of I don't know, directors or whatever, but they're GPs, they're people in the medical medical sort of world. Um, and their whole point, their whole sort of mantra is to try and influence change and influence not only the UK population, which I think is quite a tough thing to do anyway, but also influence change within uh, the dietary guidelines, the NHS, how they're approaching, what they're doing, they're, to make sure that they're offering this as an opportunity, uh, as an opportunity for uh, patients to improve their health. Um, so, um, they, uh, after that conference, they, they decided to introduce something called an ambassador program, um, where they asked for people or, or, invited people to apply to be an ambassador around, around the country in your area where you would sort of forge connections with your local GP surgeries and nurses and that type of thing, and see if you can help, um, their patients. You know, you, you're the you have lived it yourself. You're sort of I think they call it sort of like you're an expert patient as such, uh, and um, and it, it gives a great opportunity for me. It was it was a massive thing to be able to give something back because somebody had helped me. It's almost like paying it forward. Someone had helped me. And Michael Mosey had helped me, and then all these other people I'd learned had helped me along the way, and it had, it gave me an opportunity as an ambassador then to help other people, to introduce them to it, to give them the opportunity that I'd had. Um, so, um, so yeah, so I became the ambassador for Portsmouth right. and, uh, which was, which is really exciting and had the opportunity to do talks, uh, at the, uh within sort of local NHS conferences, um, went on the radio, uh, on the BBC and it was covered in paper and TV and that type of thing, all the bits and pieces that we were looking to try and do. So all this introducing low carb, how it was affecting people um and um and it, and then i had an opportunity to go to parliament and talk there which was i couldn't even believe i was there wow, that's great it was it was an, it was an incredible opportunity and it was really through that link of being able to um uh, meet dr david unwin uh he he was um uh, part of um this sort of initiative to try and get this the, the, uh, a different approach for diabetics in the uk and they had um meetings going on in parliament where uh, there were professors there and doctors and that type of thing but they they didn't really have a patient you know so it's all well and good they're all sitting there going yes this is all this is all fantastic and, and and look at all the numbers but they wanted a real life scenario uh and uh i, I was just fortunate he said well, mark would you come up and do it and i i said yeah okay it was one of those things where i went yeah and then a couple of minutes later went oh my
0: god <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, what have i just done yeah
1: <laughs> so so it was a, a amazing day i had the opportunity to tell my story very much like i'm i'm doing now um and hopefully what it did is it, it it showed the people in the room that it really does matter to us you know this matters we need to be given the opportunity you know it is all we're asking for is the choice, rather than, you know, it's the eat well plate and that's it. it, it you know, we want that choice, um, and I certainly uh, wanted it, and I and I and I want it for for other people that are in my situation that, that are also hunting for answers that have spent a lifetime battling weight or battling ill health, uh, and we have an opportunity now to to change things. So. I mean, if I look back to when that, when you know, when I first um, uh, discovered low carb, and now, what well, we're, we're getting on for five years later now, and I think it's things have changed
0: so much. You know, we've got fabulous it's really podcasts. come. It really has come a little bit more popular, which is great to see. Ah. And, and it, like, you just, just to bring it back before I forget about what you said um, there, giving people the choice, I mean, you could argue and say, that's what you had, but you had to find that choice for yourself. Yeah, you, you. in the end you went okay what have I got to lose I'll try out this way but we shouldn't have people out there saying what have I got to lose I'll try this way we should have those nurses like your second nurse who said to you yeah go for it you know give that go give that way that road a go you know and that's a brilliant way to do it and I, I really admire the way that it's being approached from from that collaboration it's really really good to see and and are you um within your community down in Portsmouth there, are you holding, um, like, halls full of people to get it across to them, like, um, I don't know, like the village halls or things like that, or little community centres? And do you feel that you're getting your point across?
1: Well, we were. <laughs> Did about a year ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, but the, the, the great thing was um, I was ever so lucky. Um, there's a... Diabetic specialist nurse, uh, her name's Sue, Sue Craddock, down here in the south, and um, she'd seen me do talks and various bits and pieces, and and she said, you know, let's let's get Mark involved, let's see what we can do. Um, and so she got in touch, um, she came around we sat down, had a cup of coffee, and uh, uh, and she said, come and talk to all my nurses across the PCN. So this is the primary care network. So it's pro- probably about eight or nine surgeries in the area uh, and she said come and talk to them they're all diabetic nurses telling me a story you know inspi- in, inspire them sort of thing um, so i tried to uh, i went and sat down and i, I, I talked to them and uh, and they were lovely yeah really really nice and everything else and it it was interesting because at one point one of the nurses said do you know what really is the issue is that we don't understand it enough uh, and that we're a bit worried that if a patient asks us um, about a question about it or how do I do this or whatever, she said, we probably don't know, really, because, you know, it's not something we've been taught. Yeah. So um, so, I, so it was just the obvious thing to do is we said, well, why don't all the nurses go low carb first? Uh, yeah, that's great. Uh, and, uh, and, and they went, OK, so our initial effort was was getting them to all do it and try it and learn recipes and understand the types of food you're now looking for and what you should have in your cupboard and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And of course, they were losing weight, they were feeling like they had more energy, they were. And of course, once they get the bug, it's an easy sell then, isn't it? To the patients. Um, and so the, the, the next step from that was, is that we started uh, running online courses. Where the nurses would be involved as well at the same time, so that they would take care of the medication issues uh, and questions. Um, and we ran us, uh, we've been running six-week courses um, where we talk about all the different things. We talk about the carbs, we talk about the fats, we talk about exercise and fast, intermittent fasting, and stress and sleep. and And throughout it, we've got this, you know, we've got this opportunity where we all support each other, it's like a peer support group. So we've got a WhatsApp group where we all exchange recipes. And then once a week, we all meet online on Zoom and, and talk about whatever the next thing is that we're going to be talking about. Um, and at the same time, the nurses are there. And of course, they've lived it and gone through it. So, you know, they're, they're enthusiastic, just as enthusiastic as me. And of course, from a patient's point of view, and you touched on this earlier, Matthew, didn't you? That From the patient's point of view, when they can hear the nurse saying, do it. you know that gives them every incentive then to go right okay this this makes sense this isn't something wacky this isn't some five minute fad this is something that's important and something i can possibly do so we're now uh well about a year or coming up to about a year into these groups um and we've done five patient groups so far and the, the results are just stunning you know people coming off of huge amounts of insulin that they've been on for years and years and years, um, losing loads of weight, losing stones in weight.
0: Absolutely remarkable that he gave those results, and hopefully before long, it goes across the whole country. I mean, I presume you have people like yourself in all different kinds of parts of the of the country. And are they running the same sort of thing, like where they get the nurses to do it? Because that is an absolute genius bit of thinking there. Because, like you said originally, the nurses were like, Well, we don't know anything about it. We we can't sell something we don't know anything about. So it was like, well, you do it then. And and the best way, the absolute best way to, to know about it and learn about it is to actually go through it. Because I think you referred to it earlier. There's there's a thing called keto flu where in your first few days or, or maybe your first week, you're just absolutely tanked out of energy simply because a lot of it is you're switching energy sources. You've been used to having a lot of carbohydrates, a lot of sugars, so that's what your body burns. But then as you transition from that to being able to burn body fat and fat from food, then you have a little period where you're potentially stuck in the middle and think, oh, wh- where am I going to get any energy from? And your body doesn't really know. But once you get over that, then like you said, you're full of energy. You you, you realize that you can burn body fat. You realize you can burn fat that you consume. And it's potentially limitless. <laughs> there's, there's far more calories worth of fat on your body than there is carbohydrates then you can store in carbohydrates so getting these nurses to go through that absolutely brilliant and and like i say is that happening all the way through the country now uh it, it parts
1: in parts i think you know it, it, in in hampshire we've got a bit of a hotbed there's there's a there's a quite a few ambassadors down here now and because there's quite a few surgeries that are getting involved as well um they're all sort of talking to each other, all supporting each other, um, and you're picking up more because of the fact it's been talked about so much. Um, and I think you know you're starting to see that spreading across the country. There's definitely ambassadors running uh, low carb groups for their for their surgeries uh, throughout the country, but whether they're having the nurses in there as well, I don't know. I, but I for me personally. It's just amazing. I mean, I you know I wouldn't say it's genius because I think it was just luck that it kind of <laughs> conversation flowed that way uh, because they could have all said no, we're not doing it. <laughs> but they, they, you know, they, you know, fantastic that they decided to take it on, and I think that has been a real crucial part in in, in um, and making this work because no matter how enthusiastic I am, I'm just a patient, and if I'm just a patient sitting there in front of a bunch of other uh patients um then they're going to listen to me to a point but they're not going to listen to me as much as what they'll listen to their nurse and when their nurse nurse says listen to mark they listen
0: yeah right yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, it's, it's do, can other people get involved in this then like you said it's not just for people who have potentially like yourself been through it or nurses or doctors can can anybody just decide that they want to help they want to spread this work
1: yeah, of course, and uh, and especially you know, as I know the the the, um, the the blue sky dream for the public health collaboration is that they'll have an ambassador attached to every GP surgery in the country, that they'll be able to support them uh, through through this. Um, and we've got, you know, a, a, a load of ambassadors now, but we, of course we would love more. We would love more. And of course you get the training uh, and, and you're, you're, you're set up, ready to go. And of course, you know, I, one of the things I think is that is amazing is how the country's taken to video calling and Zoom, because that really has made a big difference Um, you know, w- in terms of meetings in the past, people had to get somewhere, you had to hire a hall, you had to make sure the techn- technology was all set up, you had an overhead projector and all this sort of stuff. But because everyone's got kind of used to this video technology with their, meeting, their fa- uh, meeting up with their family and doing quizzes online and everything else, this has been really easy to transition to this, you know, for, for, for having these groups. At pace and, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure.
0: I'm sure there's pros and cons both ways because obviously, oh. um, personally, I uh, although these Zoom calls are very nice and, and you can get to chat to a lot of people, I would prefer to meet people and to actually see people and and you can have a bit more of a, I feel, an intimate conversation with somebody in person than you can over video call. But like you say, because of the situation we're in, it's absolutely brilliant that we're still able to do things like this
1: we've adapted, we've adapted. And yeah, you're quite right because we used to run low carb groups. I used to run low carb groups before uh, more on a sort of, we all get together. I'll do a little talk, you know, that type of thing. It was sort of like a, uh, a group of friends that just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, and uh, when we transitioned to online, it wasn't the same. It, that that kind of is exactly what you were saying that that face-to-face contact, that's what people want, isn't it? That face-to-face contact. And, and of course, people
0: would bring along
1: things that they've made you know try this you know try (laughs) it of course you can't do that on zoom can you um But uh, yeah, but that's but yeah. another
0: big part, big part of it. You know, is getting people into the kitchen and getting people making their own food. Because, like you said as well, when you actually got to be able to taste food and got to be able to think, oh well, let's see what we can put in here. Can we put these herbs? Can we put these spices in and start making your own food and getting yourself in the kitchen? Then one, you know, what's going into your own food? So there's nothing, any added extras that's potentially in processed food, and two. It's giving you the skills to be able to cook, to be able to bake, to be able to share that with people.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's a confidence as well that you have. As that is, You know, I always remember when I first started doing this, I'd measure out every ingredient perfectly. And, and felt like if I'd put too much, it was going to ruin it, you know? Whereas now I've got to that stage where I'm sort of got the herbs and I'm chucking a few bit of this in and a bit of that. And it, you know, I can't even believe it's me that's doing that because that certainly wasn't me when I started. When I started it, it was, it had to be perfect. Otherwise I'm going to mess it up. Um, so you, you do get this sort of confidence that, oh, well, it didn't quite turn out the way you want to do this time, but I'll change it a little bit next time and we'll see what we can we can make with it. But uh, yeah, that I think to be able to cook is is I ne- that wasn't the reason for doing it but it <laughs> turned out to be a real additional bonus that I'm now able to present a, a really nice meal I can put meals together and you you know when we can we can have friends around and it's yeah. me that's cooked it I never believed I could do that so you know those additional skills that you pick up uh, and the confidence in that is great
0: yeah. And it's a great thing to pass on to, I've got a little boy and the little boy watches me the whole time. And I just think, wow, he's watching me do this. You know, it's a great thing to pass on to, to children and even to other relatives and, and friends of the family who actually stand there and watch you do it and think he's, he's actually making this, he's actually doing it. You know, if he can do it, I can do it. You know, it's not rocket science. Some people, like you said, alluded to earlier, read these Mary Berry books who've got hundreds of ingredients in there and make it as elaborate and uh, as complicated as possible. Whereas you once you actually start eating these foods that you can taste and, and getting really into it, you've actually realized that you don't need that many ingredients to make things taste absolutely amazing. A few herbs, a few spices here and there, so that's great. Uh, just yeah. to uh, um, go back to the public health collaboration, people can actually go to the website, can't they? And find all, all these um, studies and all sorts of information about low cap. It's not just the ambassador program. It's, it is a, a wealth of information on that website. So um, tell people oh. where they can find it.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, I can't remember the actual address off the top of my head. But, uh, but yeah, if you Google public health collaboration, it will come up. Um phcuk.org or something yeah i think that's
0: it yeah yeah Yeah, that's it
1: um so uh but you know one of the one of the things which uh was a big thing for me um uh when i started looking on looking online and i could see on on the public health collaboration website uh was dr david unwin's uh, sugar infographics um you know that pictorial sort of when you see it, and, and, and the thing that stood out for me was that basmati rice was right at the top. With <laughs> all these teaspoons of sugar. Uh, you know, it really was a jaw-dropping moment when you saw that. Um, but, you know, I know at the time he, he, he sort of said, you know, it was one of his GPs that said, we don't understand. It's not like we don't understand it, but we find it difficult to explain to patients so that they understand glycemic load and glycemic index and all this sort of stuff. And we want something nice and simple to actually show what's going on in the body and of course so when you see that oh my god it's a penny dropping moment isn't it when you see all those teaspoons of sugar and they're all on that website so you know I'd implore anyone to go and have a look and just uh, um, you know look at the uh, the typical types of foods that are on there and how much uh, hidden sugar as such you know or how the body uh, changes it into sugar so quickly in, in your system um I, it's a real eye-opener and it, and, and it certainly changes how you how you look at food
0: yeah yeah like to say there's there's plenty of information on there and, and i love those little infographics like that because like you say you could you can write a whole paragraph but sometimes it doesn't explain it as well as just looking at something as simple as that and and yeah. it makes it a lot lot easier and there's there's quite a few on there and, and there is studies as well to back it up the studies on there as, as well uh, linked to that so go check it out and uh I'd just like to thank you very much for joining us today, Mark. That's been an absolutely amazing conversation. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Matthew.
2: What a great guy Mark is and what an amazing story he has. I'm sure there's plenty of you out there who can identify with his journey. Right from being diagnosed diabetic to following the official guidelines he was told to do so but then being told everything he was doing just wasn't helping. In fact, he was getting much worse. So he then turned to low-carb, nutrient-dense food, and what a transformation. I'm sure he'll agree, it actually saved his life. I think this is the most inspirational podcast I've done and definitely warrants listening to more than once. Now, looking forward to this Friday's episode, we have one of the best low-carb doctors I know of, Dr. Trow. He likes to speak his mind and really just says it as it is. So it'll be a good one. Tune in Friday for that one. But until then, be happy, smile lots, and I'll see you next time.